nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. to the Managing Madrid podcast. We're recording this on Sunday night. This is your host, Keon Sabani. And we're recording this after Real Madrid's ugly, ugly win in Valencia against Levante. And to help me break this down in the most positive way possible is our great Gabe Lezra. Gabe, hello, my friend. What's up, man? How's it going? And also, special guests, our patron, Brendan Powers. Brendan, welcome to the show. Good to be here, man. Uh, so Brendan is uh, a patron who's been supporting us and... And we're very happy for, for Brendan to join the show today for the first time. Um, before we get into it, let's start off on a positive note. Brendan, how did you beca- become a Real Madrid fan? Give us your Money Disa story. So it was probably about like 2011. You know, I'm fairly young. I'm like 23. Uh, so I had this friend from Spain who actually, so he did like an exchange program. And my neighbor had an exchange student. And his guy who he was staying with had to leave. So my neighbor was like, hey, can this kid come stay with you? And we're like, sure. Uh, he is from uh, Arnedo La Rioja. And his dad is from Madrid. So he came over. You know, eventually he was kind of quiet. But, you know, he started watching. My brother played travel baseball at the time. So he would come to my brother's travel baseball games. He, and then, like, he realized that we like sports. So he started talking to us about, like, oh, do you guys watch soccer? All this stuff. And I was kind of like, no, nah, not really. Like, it's not really popular over here. And then eventually... <laughs> He just, you know, we started watching some soccer here and there. And then, you know, it started out like a normal kid, you know. So first I get FIFA and then I start playing managing mode, you know, kind of messing around with it and watch Champions League games here and there. And then eventually, you know, I became a huge Real Madrid fan. And, you know, it's really the most important team that I support out of everyone. So that's really 2011, 2000, that's just in time for the Bayern Munich uh, heartbreak penalty shootout. Yes, Sergio Ramos and cut his hair afterwards. <laughs> I like his new hair better though, so it's okay. Definitely, definitely better than his like extremely long. Uh, I mean, he and the funny thing about Ramos is that he had that super, super long hair for his entire early career. Like he he never fucked around with it, and then since that moment there, he like broke his brain uh, on that penalty shot. Uh, he's cut his hair constantly, and he messes around with it all the time. See, Actually, you know, the Blondie did. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah, no, go ahead. Blondie <laughs> did. Before we won the uh, – it was the 20 – the before we won the three in a row. So what was that, 2015, 2016, right? Or was it 20 – Yeah, uh, 14, 15. I yeah, I yeah. dyed my hair blonde, right? And <laughs> then we won. So for this year, I dyed my hair blonde again just because, you know – I was like, oh, you know, we won three in a row. Maybe, you know, if I died again, maybe we'll make it break the record and go for a fourth, you know. <laughs> that's my hope. But that's I doubt it's going to happen. Somehow. But you know what? Better, better, might as well go for it. I mean, I'm super superstitious when it comes to this shit, too. So, um, But yeah, I, so we're here. I believe that you should stick with the haircut that you started off with when you were young. For, because I... I, I just don't like when Raul started to grow them up. I don't like I, I liked Bale's hair better, hair better when it was short. Agreed. 
uh, I liked Zidane's hair better when it was like he ha- he didn't shave it, so you had the outline of the balding spot more <laughs> profound. And then when he shaved it, really? It was just, yeah. I think it's just that's nost- a really hot take, Gian. I for me, I, I think that's it's just nostalgia for me. I like the nostalgic. <laughs> I like. I just like the the old older. Like I would be thrilled if Ramos grow, grew his hair out again, but I think it just it would take too long, probably over a year, <laughs> two years a to point grow about that, that back. Though. Ramos has been a beast since he cut his hair on. Yeah, Middle that's East. true. So I mean, like, you know, he hasn't. I haven't seen him sky one like that at least. That's yeah. true. That's true. Ramos is a is the exception to the rule. His he actually improved. He his career turned turned the corner when he cut his hair. That's true, man. Um, we can d- dis- distract ourselves from this miserable game all we want, but we have well, to. That's sort of what we're trying to do. Um, I I know like there are there are things we we will have to talk about eventually. One being the bail celebration, and the other being the second penalty kick that Real Madrid were awarded. That was uh. Really harsh on Levante. Yeah. Let's talk about the football first. And uh, what did you... Let's start with the first half. And and there was a lot kind of happening in the first half, despite it only being 1-0. And it wasn't really Real Madrid that were doing all the impressive things. It was it was, it was was Levante. Like, you know, they had some great chances throughout this game. Um, Roger Marti hit the post twice. Twice in the first half, actually, and then before scoring like the impossible goal in the second half, was there anything? What 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 did you see, Gabe, in the first half? So, not much, honestly. <laughs> it, I don't have many notes from this half, other than it, it. It, I did think, and I think we're going to talk about this in the questions. It did feel like the pitch itself was not helping Real Madrid. Uh, try to move the ball acceptably, right? And the, the, they just looked tired. They looked cold. They looked wet. The ball looked like it was sloppy. Um, and they just didn't seem like they were mentally clicked in. Um, it also didn't it, it didn't feel like they could find their creators in a way that they, that they if they're going to play a good game, they're going to have to, right? Which is moving that ball outside of the defense, um, maybe to the wings, and then finding Modric or Kroos who will then break a line and make some passes to get the ball to the next, to the next half. So in terms of, uh, you know, I think, I think there's a lot to do with Levante's own tactics. They played you know very well in that half, but also there was just, it felt a little bit like once again, you know, the team didn't seem to lack a little bit of energy and they seemed to not really have thought through how to respond to Levante's press. Uh, and, um, there are a lot of people who just sort of were misplacing balls. I mean, there's a not, you know, especially, uh, uh, you know, Vinicius and a couple other people just were, were just when getting dispossessed all around the pitch. So it was an interesting, it was an interesting half because the dirt didn't look as technically skilled as they are. The, all of that is like, to me, like the, there were a couple of things that really stuck to me that you said. One was um, the sloppy passing, like you saw it, I think Casemiro killed three three attacks on his own in the first half. Benzema's passing wasn't good. And his passing overall this season has been like kind of just, even when he has really good games, his passing can be off, but it's okay because he does so much more. And even Casemiro and Vinicius Benzema, those three, which I noted in my immediate reaction, their passing was so poor today, but they also did other things. Like Vinicius was probably the best defensive player in terms of yeah. just like his energy, his pressing, 
winning the ball deep, winning the ball high up the pitch, wasn't as efficient offensively, and he maybe that's something he he needs to improve on. Um, he had the break in the second half, which um, Itor saved brilliantly, actually. Um, yeah, but there wasn't that much. There wasn't that much happening. Brennan, was there anything that you noted in the first half that stuck out to you? I mean, it wasn't anything good. Uh, I saw that Carvajal within eight minutes, like the first eight minutes, he had made two poor crosses, like trying to switch the field to Vinicius um, in their half. And then he also made another one. So, I mean, to give the ball th- three times away in the first half, I thought was pretty poor from a guy who usually he doesn't always play spectacular, but usually he, I think he's a pretty reliable player for the team. Other than that, I, you know, I thought Vinicius made some good runs and, you know, he got some good balls, but I thought Modric and Benzema's passing was quite poor throughout the game. In general, yeah, uh, and there were there were a few instances like in the first half, which I thought Modric was open. They were trying to move behind the lines, but the team really wouldn't get it to him. And Cruz, uncharacteristically, wasn't looking as surgical as he normally does with the ball. A lot of sideways passes, and um, you know, like I, just a lot of credit to Levante. If you ask me, I just I just thought that like they put so much pressure on that defensive line. They prevented. Carvajal and Regulon really entering the final third and, and getting to um, providing much support for Vinicius and Lucas Vasquez. And that in the Solari era, we haven't seen the fullbacks push up that much. Um, but also in this game, I thought Levante packed the flanks really well. And I that defensive line to me, and I, I, I think, I don't know how much times, how many times we've talked about this, but I think that Nacho, since the World Cup, to me, is like the elephant in the room. And at least, like, with Ramos and Varane's form, they picked it up. I, I just, he's bit, just looks a bit clumsy today. He's, his pace has been an attribute over the I years. I agree with this, he, he lost a step there. He seems to have lost a step. I don't know how, but um, he just he d- hasn't well, seemed as reliable as he, he used to And be. I think the question is whether this is a natural progression of his his game, right? Which is a lot of players, you know, Maybe he has a particularly early peak, and he's actually on the kind of downswing of his phys- like physically, um, and his and his, you know, kind of on the end point, like going down towards the end of his career, or um, he's dealing with a couple of niggling injuries or minor things that aren't that he's not really uh, telling people about. I've been thinking about this a lot as well because it did it did see that seem to me that Nacho. Uh, has not been this sort of utility plug and play type player where I I mean, there are periods in the last couple of years where you would feel like, sure, you know, X player in our defensive four isn't on the pitch, but we can always play Nacho there and it won't be a catastrophe. And I'm not sure that that's entirely true anymore. Yeah. I I guess the, I mean, in Solari's defense, what else do you do? I mean, it's it's certainly not on Solari that part of it. And um, yeah. Vallejo was in the squad today. That in itself might have been a little victory, but um, and understandably, Solari didn't feel like he was match fit to play. Yeah, yeah. Also, also, you know, Nacho kind of gave away a fe- that first yellow he got. That set piece right after that, after that first yellow, I think it was like the twenty eighth minute when he gave away that foul. Uh, Levante almost scored a goal there. They sent the ball over the bar. You yeah. know, that was a good opportunity. You know, we could have easily went in the second half down three to one, you know, if Roger didn't yeah. post twice. And that's a completely different game because it's not like we were creating much in the first or second half other than the penalties. No. That's true. Yeah. And the, the, 
Though the Real Madrid could just really weren't, didn't look comfortable defending the set pieces. Um, they the the one the first time Marty hit the post was like he was almost, and that was a really good chance. It wasn't like a difficult. It wasn't like a spot where like, um, you know, he, he kind of got on it, it like it was a really good scoring position, and that came from a set piece where it was flicked to the far post and right. Marty hits the post, and then another sequence. Varane keeps the entire Levante uh, forward line onside on a set piece, and uh, and and they have a great chance from from there as well. I it, there was just really wasn't much to get excited, I, and I don't know. Like you could chalk it up to a mental things when you have three massive games coming up, twice twice against Barca and Ajax, which like. By the way, yeah. to me, that tie is actually far from over. And I think, like, it's not inconceivable to me that Ajax can score two goals in the Bernabeu, like, at all. So that, I mean, yeah, we were, it's a season-defining we were week. that after the thing, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, but the thing is, you can use that as, as an excuse today if you want. You can't use that as an excuse against Girona and and Alaves and Abar and... I've lost count. I don't. I don't know how many to list off. Sociedad. Right. Exactly. We keep getting into this situation where the, you know, there's this excuses being made for the team's lack of mental preparation, um, and just sort of feeling like the team is uh, sluggish, that they're uh, imprecise. And these are just things that if you're going to win the league, if you're going to even not just win the league, if you're going to produce a like acceptable league campaign consistency of uh of the, of the mentality going into every single match has to be there and it's just it's so clear that this real madrid team is a team that gets up for the big matches and 100 percent plays these kind of throwaway matches that like some you know the, the, like maybe 50 percent and then you know yeah sure sure sometimes they can pull off the win but the most that they're even going to try to do in one of these matches right now, it feels like it's come out at 75%. And that's once again, what I thought like was going on today. I mean, the, the one person who I did feel like other than Vinicius who had a strong performance and whose energy like brings a huge amount to the match on defense is Casemiro who had, he did actually have an incredibly strong defensive game. Um, classic Casemiro performance because of how bad he was on offense, but his yeah. defensive stats were very, very, very good. And you know, if if we can just bring more energy, I think that there. I mean, and I hate to be the guy that talks about energy and not tactics, but like this is a team that is so overwhelmingly talented that really all they need is someone who can make sure that they're ready to go every single game, and they just have not had that. I mean, even Zidane at the end of his tenure couldn't manage it. No. I think that's down to lack of rotation, though, too. You know, like, I don't think Solari's done a good enough job of rotating the squad. Mm. You know, and that that's... It's not just Benzema who's played way too much. I, I think that, you know... He has this lineup that he throws out every single game. And if he throws out the same lineup that he threw out today against Barcelona twice and Ajax once, there's no way we, you know, like, and I'm not saying that all three games are must wins, but, you know, we got to get, you know, with Barcelona twice, it's a pride thing. You know, like, how can we yeah. let them beat us at the Bernabeu twice if they do? You know, I'm not saying they're going to, but, like, if they do. You know, I just think that 
you know, throwing a curveball here and there to the lineup is a good thing, you know. Why didn't Valverde start a game here and there? I don't think I've seen Valverde play since maybe the Betis game. And, you know, why didn't Mariano start today? I, yeah. you know, I just To me, that's that's the questions of that of Solari's tenure right now. Is like, And I feel like Zidane kind of got that way towards the end, too. Because if you look at, I think it maybe it was the second Champions League run when Bale was just, it was when they had the double blue jersey with the dark blue and then the light blue in the sleeves with the mm-hmm. uh, three stripes. When Bale just went off in the league and Ronaldo kept, he kept resting Ronaldo and resting Ronaldo. And we almost came back in the league. But, you know, that that's the circumstances that mm-hmm. I feel like we're all, we should be in right now. Just because I don't think the league's lost, but I think there are bigger fish to fry, you know, in the future. And if we keep running out the same squad, we're going to not only become predictable, we're going to become tired. Yeah. You know, and there's very – look at the bench today. And tell me that that's not one of the best benches you've seen. And, you know, in the when you look at every roster, you see that bench, you're like, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's I, a good seven. I agree that one of the ways that he could increase, you know, and one of the things that we saw with the introduction of Vinicius is that Vinicius's, you know, passion and energy and, and love and joy, that's what I always talk about him when I watch him play, are so evident um, in every game that he plays. Uh that was like we really credited Solari for for bringing that because Madrid needed that new face. But there are other like young new faces on the on the bench, and instead, like yeah, we're running out Lucas Vasquez. Why isn't Marco Asensio starting for 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 Lucas Vasquez? Why is you know? And you're right. Why is Valverde? What about Ceballos? Like, what is going on with these these people who are hungry and who want like minutes and game time? Instead, it's every single one of, one of these matches you're running out this, these players who every single one of them are thinking about how tired they're going to be before the Barcelona match on, on Tuesday or whatever. It's, it's, it's really dumb. And this is a classic game, Keon, and I don't know what you thought think about this, but this is a, I agree. This is a classic game that could really have really benefited from some rotations. So this this is really interesting, actually. And I... Um... I want I want to talk about all this. I just want to circle back to the um, uh, the Casemiro point you made, Gabe, earlier. Yeah. And just that, just to add to that, I think this the classic Casemiro bad game is almost like a regular thing. And, and you know, to his credit, I think like defensively, he's he's been he was really good in this game, and a um, couple of like really nice interceptions that led to counterattacks in the second half the only one thing that i saw really improve in real Madrid's game was that they pressed a little bit better and casemiro a couple times on a counter press was really involved to win the ball back high up the pitch he also had one nice really dribbling really nice dribbling sequence um that led to a lucas vasquez shot from inside the box where he dribbled from midfield beat a couple of players which like you know every now and then he does that like just like this offensive thing you're like wow he has that in his game and but like i this this uh conversation about the lineup is really interesting to me because the classico is in three days and so this is not and and when you look at this lineup you could argue easily that this is solari's preferred 11 right bar that ramos was not in this game and he's obviously in there other than that this is probably his most favorite 11 and the classic goes in three days. So then the question is, did he is this the lineup that he actually goes in classical? And is this the game he wanted to rest? Or will he actually do the unthinkable and rest in the upcoming three games? And I think while that sounds crazy, it's 
it might not be that crazy because I think Solari really believes that the league race is still on. And so he really wanted to win this one. He gets a win in the Classico, maybe maybe shaves off three points there. Um, I haven't looked at Barcelona's schedule lately, but you know I'm sure there there might be some some banana peels there, um, especially if Messi maybe doesn't play. He's been bailing them out all season. I just I just don't know if because if you look at the schedule, it's nuts because it's Barca in three days, Barca again five days from now, or sorry five days from that game. And then Ajax three days after. So that, there's got to be, I, I just think it would be crazy that we see this lineup for all three of those games. Like, I don't know what it looks like, but I'm sure at some point we'll see Asensio and or Bale start one of those games. Um, I imagine that Marcelo may start one of those games. And it may be the Copa. I, I, I actually am looking at that Copa game, and I, I just don't think it's that crazy that we won't see this particular lineup again. I could be wrong. I just don't think that we'll see it. Solari's also been a coach that has played players on merit. So it's a bit weird to me that Asensio didn't get in from the start. He's been playing. He's been one of the bright spots. Um, while I'm happy to see Valverde in there, because I am always happy to see Valverde in there, you always know what you get from him. Ceballos has also been good this season. Maybe I was surprised we didn't see him. I, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds. But I'm, I'm actually really interested more than I, I typically am about lineups and lineup selections because I think this is such a make or break part of the season that I'm just really curious to know what he does. So, what lineup do you think he's going to go with then, Keon? Like, what changes would you make then to, to uh, in differentiation between the Copa and the league? Like, which game would you put more importance on? Uh, at this point, to me, the league is gone. Like, I think I've seen this movie enough times before. Real Madrid get themselves into a big hole. They make, there's like a couple periods, and we'll see it again, by the way. I'm sure we're going to see a run this season in the league where they cut it to, let's say, six points. And everyone's like, oh, I Liga. And then only they're gonna like they're they're gonna end up losing to Rayo in April at home or something or away to Invayakas and then they're like oh yeah okay no I Liga and it's just like they'll get they'll probably make a run just to give you enough hope before losing the league I just, I just don't think they're gonna come back this is Real Madrid this is what they've been for for a long time now um, bar exceptions to the rule like sixteen seventeen the tw- the eleven twelve season um, the double under. Capello Schuster or whatever it was it just doesn't I, I just I've seen this movie too many times before so if you had to ask me you could if you really wanted some silverware I think you'd realistically more likely aim for a double in the Copa and the Champions League but I, I just don't know I again I, I'm this is a hunch so I don't have the answer I'm just mm-hmm. but if you're asking me I wouldn't be surprised if Bale starts the next Classico given the I was just interested the, on your given, opinion given the fiasco yeah no for sure given the fiasco today with the celebration I don't maybe maybe Bill sneaks in, maybe he sends a message of some sort, or maybe maybe that puts him down the pecking list even further. I don't know. Trying to like puzzle through Solari's, you know, thinking about uh, lineups is, is a little bit. It's 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 it's, it's a tough errand because it's not at all clear to me what his thinking is and what how he values it. Because I I think I know what I would do, and I, I think I've already be, you know kind of mentioned to you, Keon, to. Um, you know, talk that that my feeling would be that there should be much more rotation, um, and especially this should be 
a part of the season where, especially before, you know, during this de- hell month and hell week, there should be rotation of and reliance on the young uh, talent that Madrid has to get, you know, to get them over the hump and like just say, look, this is time. This is when this mini Madrid that we've been building for years, this is the, this is their first real test un- under fire and I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see a lineup of like Ceballos and uh, Llorente and uh, 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 you know some of these other you, know, you loan all these other guys out Vinicius out on the field um, while we're wait, we're, we're um, resting Modric, Kroos, and the people that we know have to spend ninety minutes sprinting um, and playing absolutely perfect like perfect football against Barcelona, um, sitting on the bench and resting and what and like just believe in the young talent that we've got, you know, and instead of I'm sending this message, which essentially to me seems like, yeah, we really should have rotated, but we don't believe in this talent, even though I think that they've done more than enough, most of them to prove themselves as people that would be reliable choices to throw out. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's again, I just, am not sure entirely what's in Solari's mind in many ways. He's like, He's kind of been undecipherable in some ways. Like we don't really know. He's such a he's generally such a classy guy in the press. He doesn't really tell us what's going on, and as he shouldn't. And like, yeah, that's you know, fair. Right? The, the whole Isco thing. There's been a lot of speculation. You know, I've gotten as many answers as I possibly can. I've written about this, and still, like, no one really knows. Like, really, because he he just. He he talks so highly about Isco. He talks so highly about Marcelo. He talked after this game. You should see the praise he gave Bale, both his his character and his play. Um, after the game, where you think this is the game, where like you 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 talk about Bale in some some capacity, that may maybe just like to to talk about a celebration or whatever. He's he deals with it well, and so some of the stuff is kind of like oh, we're not sure what he what he's thinking with his rotations and like again he's been a player that has rewarded youth players and and yep. played players based on merit so like i just don't know what his rotations look like in the next few games yeah uh so let's talk about i mean let's talk about some of the controversies right i mean this people come people come to this show because they want to hear about the big topics the big topics like uh atletico madrid tweeting after this game uh about how oh um, the uh, Oscar night has uh, had a big start. Want to see a new movie? It's always the same story. Um, Atletico's um, which movie would you choose? And it's just clearly about the VAR thing. Atletico Madrid clearly saying it, and then. Danny Carvalho comes in and absolutely murders them by responding with, I, I think I would suggest that you guys check out two great movies that I have. They're called Corazón de la Decima y Un Decima. And I've even got them on DVD, Winky Face. <laughs> <laughs> They're just salty. That They're always great just salty. They're so unbelievably salty. It's so ridiculous. Like, I, like, how can you? How is the? This is not the, and this isn't even the first time in a couple of days where a official team Twitter account does something stupid. Like, Keon, 
Chelsea FC account retweeted a rumor yeah. about Gareth Bale. Like, yeah, that was unbelievable to me. I, what I, the fuck? Like, what is happening? I had to, like, I, I literally, just to make sure I'm not looking like an idiot and I don't retweet something that I that I got wrong, I checked the Twitter account a million times to make sure it's not a parody account. I even, like, looked at the blue verified badge. Is it blue? Is it teal? Is it black? Is it, like, is it right, actually right. a verified symbol? I, they did, they literally... They they put something on their website. It was like rumor roundup or something. It was like here's the latest players Chelsea are linked to, Bale and uh, who was the other one? Someone's son. I can't remember whose son. I can't remember. It was like so clear that it was fucking. I, I want to say Lillian like, Turam of all people. Or it was someone oh, really yeah, random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, I and apparently, so I don't follow a single official team account, including ours. I just because they just seem so generic to me. Actually, no, that, that's a lie. I follow Roma. Follow I follow Roma. They're great. That's a great yeah. account. That's um, a great account. You should follow them. But now I'm starting to question whether I should, because they're not generic anymore. There's actually some banter behind it all, which is like, I guess, fun. You know? Yeah, it's good banter. But I mean, the rumor roundup is such a bad idea. It's it, such mean, a bad I, idea. There's literally regulations on tapping up. Like, I just don't understand how they avoid the tapping up regulations. Here's the uh, here's the tweet. All right, we have wait, wait, no, I have to read this topic. tweet. I have to read this tweet. Chelsea FC, <laughs> the Blues are linked to Gareth Bale and Lillian Turam's son in today's roundup of Chelsea-related news from the media. Would this be a good signing? Thinking emoji. <laughs> it's shocking. Anyway, sorry, you're right. We should talk about the game. Uh, we have to talk about the penalty. Brandon, you mentioned that before we were recording, you're you're watching the penalty a few times. You watched it. You've deciphered it. I'm assuming. Ted, what did was? What's your verdict on that? On the Casemiro one? Um, uh, yeah. I didn't think it was a penalty. To be completely honest, I thought that it was kind of soft, and I thought that the only reason they actually called it was because that the ref had initially called it, and then I'm sure that the the other refs in his, you know, the VAR officials were like, it's your call. Like, you know, like, cause I, from what I'd understood from what Ray Hudson and Phil were saying was that it's a lot easier to call a penalty than it is to overturn it. Because apparently there has to be, like, clear evidence from it. So with that, I had taken that, you know, a clear one was, like, the Neymar one from the World Cup, where he obviously was not touched and he had just flopped and... You know, they obviously were like, okay, that's not a penalty. Casemiro did get kicked, but it was it was like very subtle. Like he obviously milked it. So I, I can see that it went either way, but I am so biased when it comes to Real Madrid in any way, shape, or form. I if I was a Levante fan, I would be furious. I would Livid. be so furious. Because I would just be like because you know, I thought we got as Real Madrid fans, I thought we got outplayed today. So, like, first we get outplayed. We hit post. Roger hits post twice. Um, Rachinha goes off with a red card from the bench. And then we get hard done by a PK to lose the game. I don't know. I would just be, yeah. I'd be like, sitting in my room just, like, staring at a wall. Like, God, like, this is yeah, dude. terrible. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I, I always try to remind people when we talk about VAR is that the technology is not the problem here. And I, and this is why I've now decided that this, and I was watching the Atletico game, the champions league game from last week and the disallowed goal 
um, where Murat scored that header. They, these are actually related cases. That was in that. In, right, it, that's uh, it was in that. I think what happened is that the referees they went to VAR, but then they didn't understand the kind of implicit biases that happen when you watch things on replay. So, for example, in the Morata case, I think I explained on the on the show uh, that in the middle of the week, but there was a when you watch something in super slow mo or in slow mo, any contact is going to look huge and game altering, right? Any contact at all. So they saw a little contact there and they were like, Oh, that's actually not, um, that was actually a foul or whatever. And in this case, uh, the referee goes in with the bias that I saw contact. Um, I believe this was a penalty. And then he goes and he sees it and he says, well, you can, when you slow it down to really slow-mo, you do see that there is contact. So I don't think that you, I, I don't feel like I have to overturn this. And like, that to me is a misunderstanding of the VAR of like what VAR is supposed to do. And like, you shouldn't be looking for a way to kind of prejudge like the, the call that you already made on the, on the pitch. Uh, and that the, and, and, and referees should be trained with, uh, should be forced to go to training about how to understand the way that film and, 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 and motion and stuff biases your senses and your thoughts of what's happening, because I just can't, I mean, I think in this one, in this case, there was, it's not, it's even beyond this stuff because I think he just missed it. But like in, in, in all of these cases, it feels like the VAR system is relying on referees who aren't considering the fact that when you're viewing something on replay, your perspective on the on the event is skewed, and I just I feel like there has to be a we have to do some training. I have to do new guidelines. We have to work with the referees to make sure that they understand how to use the system better. Because I just I don't think I don't think it's working the way it should be working. At least for calls like this. I just sorry about the rant. No, not at all. Like I I, I think like it this particular one was. At the time when you watch it live, before the replays, you're like, "That's that's a pen," and then you watch the replays, you're like, "No, that's not a penalty." And then and that, I and they the replays that they showed on TV, like really, I was like, "That you can't call that." I'm sorry, like you just can't, especially after you have VAR. Now it's yeah. like, and now, um, once now that the dust has settled, and now like, you know, Jose Luis Sanchez who is a um, very famous Ramda journalist who um, always famously also posts to Twitter to prove that Ramda did get the right call and there's no controversy. This is one that like I was like, you can't defend this one. He has defended it. And now there's like video, if you slow it down to like very, very exaggerated, like f- like the frame like and just really, really slow it down. There's contact. And like, so his cleat hits Casemiro on the right leg. Um, and then uh, Ducure, the, the the player who committed the penalty, limps after that. So like, people are like, he's limping. That means he fouled. That means nothing. He could have been limping for any reason, really. I, I just think if you slow it down that much after the fact and and... But the the referee didn't see it slow down like that. So I I just I still think it's harsh. Like I don't know. Like you guys go look at the video, judge for yourselves. Um, 
I don't think Casemiro goes down like that if there's no contact at all. I, I, I actually believe he did feel something there. He may have exaggerated and, and it may have hurt, but I, you know, so there's that side of it too. Um, it, it just is like a bizarre day of football. I know this is like a, uh, now it's a tangent, but like I was watching, I did three games today. I watched United Liverpool, which was, which, which was awful. Um, <laughs> and then I watched Chelsea City, which was awful until like, un, bar like sporadic moments and then the whole Kepa fiasco. And then this oh this God. one with like the with the penalty and the bail celebration, it's just such a weird day, man. I'm 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 burnt out. Um, so I I don't know. I guess just say go yeah, go look at too. go look at that replay and uh, and be be a be the judge for yourself. But I think like there's it, a case. Yeah. Anyways, it just feels like VAR, VAR is being misused. I, I think that one of the main reasons that VAR is such a useful and good technology, and one of the reasons that I'm so I still really stand it, so to speak, I, is that it does act and it does correctly work on calls that are clear, right? On calls where there's a clear line and a bright line rule, offsides. Did the ball go over the goal line? Is there out of bounds? Sure. Um, those are the calls that there were far too many times where VAR or where they were getting those calls wrong. And those are like game changing calls. Now, whether someone dived in the penalty area actually is another pretty clear bright line rule. And it should be a lot easier to see when they take a look right on VAR. Oh, actually this player wasn't touched and it was a dive. And those also are game changing things. And it's just, it is a little shocking to me to think that one of the main good thing uses of VAR uh, was was incorrectly used. It didn't correct the incorrect call uh, because on replay, somehow he saw this replay and thought that he was still a penalty. I still, I just don't for the life of me understand uh, what's going on. And it just makes me feel like we need to fix uh, the training for referees on how to use the system because I, I otherwise I can't explain it. Because yeah. it's not like the tech is bad. Yeah. Right. It's not like this is some sort of problem with technology. It's it's that the referees watched this and saw th- and saw this thing happen, and instead of making the obvious call that absolutely everyone other than you know absolute Real Madrid patron, um, you know partisans want, uh, they went ahead and, and and didn't do that. I mean, it's like right. I don't know how to I, I don't know what to make of that. Yeah. So and that exactly. So that's where I was actually planning on going with it when I said I was burnt out after those three games. I didn't even make my point. My point was that, like in that Chelsea game, um, so when when there's errors in these situations, it's not a VAR error. It's a human error. Like it's still a right. human error whether it's VAR or not, because you have the technology to help you, and you can use that to make your decision, and you make the wrong call or the right call, even with the evidence in front of you. And believe it or not, if you have evidence in front of you, sometimes, you know, it can be a pride thing. It can just, you know, you don't want to overturn it or whatever. In the Chelsea game, there was a moment where Hazard was on a breakaway and it was so tight. It was so tight. And the referee called the offside. Didn't let the play continue to see if there would be a, if there would be a goal or not to review it then. Just called it. And so, like, that stuff, like, there's got to be consistency there, and I think there's yep. still we're in the right path that we have this implemented. It's just it, you may not see it 
improve for a few years like you know for being honest and there might be a lot of frustration to go with it until then um the bail- I think guidelines would help as well you know like, yeah. so, like we got every ref on the same page like um i remember it i was watching the uh documentary about take the ball pass the ball with pep guardiola and chavi had spoken about how when they showed the pepe foul you know yeah. Or the Pepe red card. How an like, outburst. you know, they were like, yeah. And then there's an outburst, you know, whatever. But like, I feel like if they should like guidelines, like, look, this is a penalty. This is not. And, you know, this should like the Maratical, this should be allowed. And this push should not, you know what I'm saying? Like, so that maybe they have like finer guidelines of what can help, mm-hmm. you know, distinguish, you know, cause it, it's good technology. You know, if you look in every single sport that has replay, or not replay, like, you know, like challenges and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it helps the sport in general, you know, because you, you want to get a fair result. You know, you don't want to feel hard done by giving up a penalty that wasn't actually a penalty or, you know, an offside, you know, you called for offsides when you weren't actually offsides and you go and score. You know, you don't want to feel like you got points taken. So it's like a great idea. They just need to, you know, tamper with it, you know, figure out what's right. And it's not going to be perfect right away. And, you know, that's just the God's honest truth. Well, yeah. that's a good that's that's a point um, that's that's very valid, and I think like um, the issue there is there are rules within the sport that are interpretive, and they're not clearly defined. There are there's room for interpretation. For example, the first penalty that Real Madrid got, um, the handball. There are people who will interpret that, and possibly some referees who will interpret that that he was protecting his face, and they wouldn't have called it. Um, I think to us and to a lot of people, it was clear that, like, you know, you could protect your face, um, I suppose. I mean, you could just head the ball away. I mean, easy for us to say that behind a keyboard that we would take that ball in the face. But I'm just saying, like, you know, it's it's there's room for interpretation in some of the calls. Right. Like, that can, that can, that is also problematic. Um, I think, I think we do need to talk about the bail celebration. Yeah, let's talk about the bail. Let's talk about bail. That's pretty bad. Keon, what what did you I mean, I'm interested in what you made of uh what you made of it exactly. To me it seemed a little bit more like he um he came in angry. And I think that's what Solari said in the presser was that he came in angry and and he played angry and when he scored, right? Yeah. He was, you know, ex- kind of exploding with that anger and when you're kind of coming in in that kind of mood and that helps his game he plays better when he's angry sometimes you don't want to celebrate you want to get back in just be like score again and get back to it you know yeah that the angry thing it's like it's almost like the same anger he had last season when he came in the champions league final because he 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 said that publicly you know he was angry he came in and he was he scored those goals and obviously his celebration in the Champions League finals is going to be way different than what it was today. But um, definitely you could see the anger. And uh, I I think like, so here's, well, I don't know if you guys saw, but Cadena Ser after the game, um, <laughs> they they said they have some inside scoop or whatever, which like take it with whatever uh, great assault you want or believe it. it. It's not, it's, it's, it's not bad logic, but they are saying that, um, He's upset because uh, he feels that the criticism on him in Madrid is just completely unfair. He feels that 
he doesn't understand why he's not starting because he is 100% health-wise. He's not returning from injury anymore. He feels he should be on the pitch. And the third reason is that um, he feels like his teammates haven't come out and supported him when the media criticizes him. And he feels like some of them have done the opposite. Uh, and I think while... So here's... But to me, even if that's all that is true, and he has the right to feel that way, and even if he is like in the right here, I just... it I didn't like how he brushed off Lucas Vasquez there, where that's his teammate. He's celebrating. Yeah. He's put, patting you on the back and saying, nice goal. It's not Lucas Vasquez's fault that he's starting over you. So that that moment didn't really sit well with me. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. The only part about it, though, is maybe, you know, like, I know you've mentioned before, Keon, that you don't really understand the hate that Lucas Vasquez gets under Solari, you know, because I know you'd mentioned it in past podcasts. But, you know, maybe Bale feels like that – you know, he knows it's not Lucas's fault, but like, you know, maybe he just feels like, man, this is a guy, this is where I should be. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying what he did was okay because it's not. But like, you know, maybe he just kind of feels angry towards Lucas Vasquez because he can't feel angry towards Solari because Solari's the manager, you know? And he sees that if he does get angry towards Solari, he might be put into an Isco type situation. So maybe that's just why he was frustrated with, you know, like maybe if someone like Regulon jumped on his back, maybe he wouldn't have acted like that. Like, you know, like we don't know because we, and also we don't know because we're not in that locker room. But, you know, that's the only, that's the only reason I could think of why he would do it. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, agreed. I mean, and we, as Om and I talked about in the midweek show, he is being really hard done by. Like, the, the Madrid media is engaged in a uh, campaign to slander and abuse him. And I think it's fair to have, to feel like, hey, why isn't anyone coming to my defense? They're running all these terrible stories about me. I'm not just, you know... I'm your, I'm like, I'm your teammate. I'm your friend too. And if you're not going to be like, yeah, I can see why he's feeling that way, but I agree that it's don't not brushing off your teammates after you score. Sell it. Like just hug everyone. Make sure that you realize you're on the same time. That's, you know, that's the, that's the better practice. But, you know, I think Bale, just like, you know, Asensio, anyone, any of these people who've been undergoing Marcelo, these, this fucking campaigns from these, Media from this Madrid media deserve, uh, absolutely deserve to 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 be angry. And just the problem is who you take your anger out on, and yeah. it shouldn't be on your, it shouldn't be on your teammates. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, but the I, the the Vasquez discussion is actually a good segue to patron questions. I think. Let's do it. Yeah. Um, as you all know, patreon.com slash managing Madrid is where you go to pledge. Um, get different rewards, get guaranteed responses to your questions, access to bonus shows and other things. Question from Sayantan Nandi, our patron. He says, what exactly is Solari trying to do? There's no other goal scorer except Benzema and looks like he has already decided to use Bale, who is the only one capable of scoring goals as a substitute in each and every game. I'm still trying to figure out what Vasquez offers more than Bale. So I, the Vasquez thing, I just wanted to, to point out that I, I don't think it's about what he offers more than Bale. Like, and, I, and I was asked this in the latest mailbag, who starts if Vas, between Vasquez and, and Bale? And, um, to me, it's, it's, not, it's a matter of like if, if they're both healthy, if they're both giving 100% on the pitch, 
and they're both in their alpha mode. There's only one answer, and that's and that's bail. But I think the what the question you could reward it and say, um, it's not that necessarily what Vasquez offers more than bail. It's that what you know you're going to get from Vasquez, and you just don't know if you're going to get it from bail or not. You just know what you're getting from Vasquez, and I think coaches really gravitate to that because they when they know what they're getting from a player, it's that consistency that we met that I mentioned at the beginning. If you're going to win the league, you know, you have to be able to run out a team that's going to perform with a certain level of consistency every week. And I think that's what he sees in the Gonzalez. I agree. But, you know, uh, there are going to be matches when you, you do need to kind of swing for the fences a little bit. And those are matches where you would much rather start Bale. I think like, for example, I would expect, and I'm, I'm not in Flurry's head, but I would expect Bale to, to be in the line lineup a fair number of the next next few games um, against you know Barcelona <clears throat> and Ajax like season defining games yeah yeah and you know like the, the really if we if we compare the two you know I obviously you know you're gonna get out of Vasquez which is work rate he's gonna track back um, he's gonna take on people with dribbles and he's gonna cross the ball you know and Bale's always a wild card, but Bale's a game changer, which is why I think Gabe is saying that like in the next few games you'd accept you'd expect to see Bale or Bale because you know he's yeah. a game player. You know he's gonna like all you have to do is look at the Liverpool game. You know, yeah, exactly. Like point blank, I don't even have to explain myself. And but with Vasquez, you know, you don't actually know if Bale's gonna show up to a game against Levante. I have no clue. Solari has no clue, and I'm sure you guys have no clue. Sometimes you're gonna get the Bale that you know like. Keon said alpha mode bail, and then sometimes you're gonna get lackluster bail who doesn't track back, who only ends the game with four touches. You really exactly. don't know. I the the other thing with the goal scoring thing is, um, I I I don't I honestly still don't know what's going on with Mariano. I just think that he he's so he's good enough to get a, a bigger role here. Um. But maybe, you know, in this particular game, Solari just felt like, you know, he wanted to control the game with, with Bale and Valverde. And, and now I don't remember the third sub. Who was the third sub? He, he only made two subs, Asensio. actually. Asensio oh, Asensio. Yeah, yeah, Asensio, yeah. sorry. Uh, which, you know, they were all good subs. But I mean, like, you know, there is a goal scorer in the team other than Benzema, technically. Um, he actually, Mariano didn't actually even make the bench today. But he is there to be used. Um so, you know, I don't Which know. Which was weird because he was in the squad. You know, right when yeah. I saw him in the squad, I was like, oh, okay, you know, maybe Mariano is going to start today When I, because I thought he was. I swore he was. I was like, you have to give Benzema a rest. I, I think I saw – I think it was like he played like the last – Benzema's played like the last 20 games or so. Like it's pretty – I might be missing a game in between where he might have got – he gets rest every once in a while, but it ain't much. Um. Another patron question. Actually, our last patron question. Only two this week. Um, Sheikh Atiri, well, Sheikh Atiri says this is more of a rant. So he says, this is more of a rant than a question. I want to blame the wet field a little bit for today's performance. Yet, we still had little pl- plan to get into the box and no plan once there. The only good news was Vallejo's inclusion in the call-ups. But I wish he would have been played for at least a few minutes. The players overall look too much in a hurry when they get the ball and they'd lose it fast. They're poor in possession. I don't know why a team that looks so good against Barca and Atletico would show such poor performances against Girona and Levante. Solari's lineups and substitutions are also completely predictable. Benzema's 
been starting every game forever. We could have used a rest. He could have used a rest before three really tough games. It's obvious that he's tired and worn out. Yeah, the Benzema thing is he's just been tired. He's just been playing so much. It's crazy. That like if there's one guy to rest at this That's point. That's definitely true. Yeah. There's one guy to rest now. It's got to be him. Like you know, and I, and I can't really picture us against Barca and Ajax without him. So. This would have been a good game to rest. I mean, granted, he scored. Yeah, he can't though. be rested. I mean, like that's the thing. He could have been rested today, but he absolutely cannot. This, given his form, given his importance in in creating the the offense that this team relies on, he absolutely cannot be rested against Barca um, or yeah. Ajax. He has to play every single minute essentially of the next two weeks, which means he should have fucking absolutely not have been in this this lineup. Just absolutely not. Like he needed. Like this, I don't. It just strikes me that it, it, it's surprising that Solari is struggling to see how important and season-defining the next couple of weeks are going to be, and to to really get the right players at, at the right fitness level for those weeks. You know. Also, I think Solari. You know, I, I like you said. He's the subs are predictable. Uh, the lineup's predictable, and I agree completely. You know, like when Solari first took over, I did not feel that way. I was like, yeah. okay, you know, like, and I, and I can say, at when he first, at, like after the Betis game, I would probably say I was kind of like, okay, you know, I see where his head's at. I see, I see where his head's at every single game until today. Today, I, when I saw that lineup, I was, I really just, and maybe even the Girona game when we look at that one, I didn't, I could not see the lineup. I, I saw it and I was just kind of like. I was kind of dumbfounded at the lack of rotations mm-hmm. over the past two games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, this is this is again. This is why I think it's so fascinating to see what he does in the upcoming Clasico. And granted, like Barca haven't been resting many players either, and they did have a little bit extra rest. I guess one day extra rest. So there's that. But, um, but you know, it like PK said over last time it was five to one that they had that we had an extra day of rest. So yeah, thanks for reminding us, PK. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, there was one thing that Shay said here that was uh, interesting to me. Um, well, the po- just the point about, I don't know why the team looked good against Barcelona Atletico and been poor since then against Giron and Levante. It just, that's Real Madrid in a nutshell. And I mean, but that's kind of sports yeah, in yeah. a nutshell, right? You know, like what... Regardless of any sport you play, there is a psychological thing where you play to your opposition, and that's just the reality. Real Madrid may do it in extremes, though, in the sense that this is, and but this is just like two decades of sample size now. It's they. This is why they don't win the league because you can't only right. show up exactly. in the big games. Exactly. You can win the Champions League by doing that, but you you end yeah. it. But you cannot win the league, and you just you can't. That that level of consistency is the only thing, the only way you can win the league, and it's it's just it's been absolutely lacking since that um, uh, fifteen sixteen. No, yeah, is it sixteen seventeen? Uh, yeah, fifteen sixteen was when they won the league. Sixteen seventeen. Yeah, um, and they just haven't had it since then, and that's why Zidane, when he was like basically on his exit interview, was like the hardest thing I ever did was win the league because. Not because he, you know, well, he he won three Champions Leagues in a row, but because he managed to get these same players who are like these world-beating, all-time great players, uh, 
with the ta- absolute talent to win three Champions Leagues in a row to and to actually focus and to actually go in every week and win uh, against every team in the league. That is a huge achievement in itself, and it's actually much harder than it seems, at least as the Spanish League has gotten better since, like, the 2000s when the duopoly really was so yeah. much, so many light years above um and you could sort of expect to win every game. Well, and I kind of, you know, looking back at the 16-17 season, uh, Zidane also, I, I felt like he played a, he, you know, James. He had that, remember they were calling him like the B team. When they, yeah. he would just roll them out every weekend and they would just turn results. And that was because of the depth of the team. But, you know, I, he, like last year I kind of felt, I was like, like, I didn't really understand why Zidane didn't do that. But, like, also I did. He had a ton of new faces. You know, James was gone. Murata was gone, which were two key components to that B team. I mean, world-class yeah. players on your B team, you know? And that was the reason that we won the league was because he had guys that were hungry that wanted to win the league. You know what I'm saying? Like, having those guys that, you know, this is like, okay, this is my time to shine. You know, like, I'm going to be part of the re- – I'm going to be a big reason of this team. You know, sometimes I feel like maybe that's why – some guys don't turn up when they play all the time is because they don't feel like they're as part of the team as they should be, you know? Like, I wish Danny Ceballos would play more. I'm a huge Danny Ceballos guy. I think, you know, he plays for the Spanish national team all the time. He plays a ton of minutes, yet he sometimes struggles to get minutes at Real Madrid, which I find kind of insane because right. he has the talent. Gentlemen, well, I agree. very interesting schedule coming up and uh... – you know, we don't need to remind you that uh, I think it's going to be edgier yeah. seat stuff, heart in your mouth, organs floating around. The next week or so is going to be uh, going to be exciting, tough, gut wrenching, and hopefully by the end of it, we'll have happy podcasts all around. Um, yeah, absolutely. And Brendan, do you have anything to plug while you're here? No, I just want to thank you guys for allowing me to be on here. Oh, oh come on. It's great to have you. Thank, thank you for you. being a patron. Thank Thanks so for your insight, everything. everything, man. Thank you for being part it's of the been show. It's a great it's show. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate um, it. All right, enjoy guys. chatting with you, my man. And um, All right, everybody. Keon, do you have anything that you want to remind people of? I know you've got your Castilla pod coming up and Lone Trackers, all that fun stuff. Lone Tracker Tuesday. We'll talk about all kinds of fun stuff. And uh, Odegaard, Raul de Tomas both scored this weekend. Um, if you want access to that, you got to be a patron, and uh, you know, if, and and if you want access to the Copa del Rey midweek show, you got to be a patron. The IX post game show, you got to be a, a patron. One. Um, we should do patron shoutouts before we log off. Do it, baby. All right. Um, if you pledge ten dollars or more, you get a specific shoutout on the podcast. So shout out to these ten dollar plus patrons. Mikhail Nilsson, Frederick Sundros, John Fernandez, Said Mahad, Nick DeStefane, Leon Stavronakis, Christian Gonzalez, Bjorn Salvador, Nicole Gant, Sergio Monleon, Yahya Ibrahim, Willie Reed, Nick Ribeiro, Eric Rogers, Sheikh Hatiri, Oluwapamimo, Oladonjoy, Christian Toff, Dan Berthy, Armin Gashi, Tarek Sphere, Tyler Dixon, Raghav Potluri, Vicky Cohen, Gary Kohut, Sujai Wani, Kenya Marisa, San Francisco Bay Area, Catherine Fagundo, Zoran Bosanchich, Sway Ayala, Rafael Servilla, Umer Mahadi, Magnus Lex, Jason Fitz, Anton Hackberg, Solomon Ortiz, Brendan Powers, who's joining us, and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much and for all course, your support. And of course, Brendan Powers. All right. Thanks, everybody. Brendan, great talking to you and to everybody else. Salam alaikum.
Alan Madrid. Alan Madrid, thank you guys.